Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nathaniel Paul Thurston, and across from me is Mr. Charles Chuck Thompson. Happy Friday, Chuck. How's it going? Oh, it's going great. Are you excited for the weekend? Just living the dream. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm super pumped. Yeah. I'm not going to do anything. I'm I'm going to ask you to do something with me. I'm, I know. Yeah. I'm super pumped about that. I wish I was going out of town now, but I'm not going to because of the weather. You owe you know? me probably a couple times. I guess I do. I need some help moving a couple things. And then, and Nate, as you guys should know, I'm going to call you out. Okay. This is for calling my sink out the other day. Okay. Nate was a touring musician and uh, so was I, but I still found time <laughs> to somehow help Nate's wife move seven times, I think. I think Nate was there for one of them. He was there one, for one. One for seven, mm-hmm. and I was there for the other six. It it just so happened that when our lease was up on all the apartments back then, I happened to have a tour going every time that we had to move from one place to or another. He was playing shows in Illinois. Yeah, we went we went to seven seven or eight different apartments, and I was only there for one move. And that was the one we almost hurled the couch off the balcony. That was the one right then. <laughs> um, I even when we moved into our house. I you wasn't weren't there. there. No. No, you weren't. I was in the Bahamas on a catamaran. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> not a great time. Hope everyone else had a great time. So too. Nate owes me. I owe you at least one time. At least, yeah. Which okay. I know you your shoulders are falling apart. Your back is they broken. Are. You've yeah. got spinal. You got osteomylosis. Yep. That's it. That's what they call Something it. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I'm, it's not going to be much, mm-hmm. but maybe you could be there in spirit. I, my spirit and brings everyone up. Physically. And down at the same time. Hey, what's up? It's Good Morning Liberty. We talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week when we want to smash the subscribe, the follow, all the buttons that make us appear on your phone magically at different times throughout the day. And today, very special day of the week. It's everyone's favorite episode. It's Dumb Bleep of the Week. That's the day where the live group, the Fed Haters Club, have submitted... A bunch of different dumb things. I also threw in some dumb things as well. And we're going to vote. We narrowed the list down to 10 items today. We're going to vote on which one is the dumbest. At the end of the year, we'll be trying to see if one of these, maybe one of today's items, could end up being Dumb Bleep of the Year. You never know. You have to listen every single Friday to figure it out. And if you see dumb, make sure you submit that. Go to joingmail.com, join the private discord group or you can also email me nate's podcast notes at gmail.com don't send it to my other email send it to my podcast notes email because that's all i want going to that specific email okay let's get into it dumb bleep number one very important and let me bring up the proper screen here so everyone can see what's going on uh (laughs) okay there we go a little precursor here just so you know what's going on at the World Economic Forum, the WEF, which we're going to rename to the WTF after this one. Um, indigenous, <laughs> leader, <What> the? <laughs> indigenous leaders are bringing their knowledge the to Davos. Yes. Yeah. Indigenous leaders bringing their knowledge. And one of the ways that we got this uh, was this particular clip that we're all supposed to act like is just fine and dandy, thank you. And everyone there is so in tuned 
with the native world, the indigenous people's world, and they care so much about it, of course, with all the things that they, and I'm sure all of the native people of the world or the indigenous people of the world are super down with what the World Economic Forum wants to do. Mm -hmm. They would be totally up for that. You know, all the individual tribes out there would love to have one collectivist new world order governing everything that we all do. Where are they hosting this? Davos. I think this building was built on some native land. Oh, no, not this one. They oh, would okay. never do that. Yeah. Or maybe this was the ceremony. I mean, here's the trade-off. Uh, apparently, these people in the audience get to run the whole world and, you know, uh, their ancestors get to kill off almost all the indigenous people. And in exchange, it was written in the law. I don't know if you saw it way back when, but there was a terms and conditions said that this person gets to come cough in your face. And uh, that is the great evening of the scales Yeah. afterwards. Who so tweeted this? <clears throat> um, this is from some random account saying, let's see what Elizabeth Warren has been up to. Elon <laughs> Musk also uh, tweeted something making fun of Elizabeth Warren. Listen, we're libertarians here. People can live their lives however they want. But what I will not stand for is us all trying to act like all these people in this room actually care. <laughs> Give two S words about what this lady's doing and like they all weren't trying to hold back their laughter and that they all weren't grossed the F out when she comes around to sneeze in their faces. But anyway. Is she trying to give them smallpox? I don't, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. No, you, you. Does the face paint count as a mask? I'm not sure if that, if that actually counts. I think the CDC said paint your face. <laughs> paint yeah. your face. Okay, With a that's what it is. Wow. Yeah. All right. <laughs> People clapping. <laughs> Make it stop. <laughs> Sound like she said, why should I? <laughs> I like this guy's face as she, co she comes up to him. <laughs> Like, are you really about to cough in my face right now? Is that what we're doing? And you can't act weirded out by it at all. Because you're on stage. Because then you're racist, you know. But very important stuff right there. Let's get a close-up of that. Oh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> what is happening? I'm not sure. Like I said, no more WEF. It's a WTF. That's what we're going to call it because I have no clue. What's going on? I like how somebody said, let's see what Elizabeth Warren's been up to lately. Uh, go ahead and Charlie, give us a little explanation right. so we can all understand what's going on. The World Economic Forum in Davos set the stage for indigenous voices that left many scratching their heads and wiping. I think yeah. <laughs> they were wiping their foreheads. The 2024 WF ignited a wave of reactions on social media when a, a ritualistic display prompted questions and rebukes of hypocrisy that could not be ignored. In explaining how indigenous leaders are bringing their knowledge to Davos 2024, the WEF stated, as technological progress and cultural shifts accompany deep and complex transformations in the geopolitical and social fabric of the world. <laughs> Hold on. Chat GPT, write me a BS statement about how we care about what indigenous people yes. think about things. Okay. And then it says, It has never been more important <laughs> to develop solutions for global challenges that are equitable, inclusive, and sustainable. Indigenous voices are thus vital to in adding a perspective that prioritizes long-term thinking 
and human experiences. You know, maybe it's what true. Did they, what did they say there? Uh, nothing. They said nothing. That, it's like a corporate mission statement. Sounds like nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was written by WTF's HR department. So, hang on. By this woman doing some kind of ritual mm-hmm. from her indigenous people, it's passed down through generations probably. I'm not saying it's not a real ritual. Yeah. Prob- probably sure. is. I don't know where she's from. I don't even care if she does it or if her people do it. Whatever. Do whatever kind of dumb thing you want. But her doing that ritual, that's that's indigenous leaders bringing their knowledge? <laughs> <laughs> like what? This is what we've been missing right here is this kind of input. So this is going to help develop solutions for global challenges that are equitable, inclusive, and sustainable. Well, yeah, but did you see how she coughed on that third guy's head? Yeah. Yeah, so that's what they mean. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, that's number one from the WTF. Number two. You see how bad our problems are? Yeah. You know, the world is in such (laughs) turmoil. (laughs) We got time for this. That the World Economic Forum... (laughs) Is yeah, anyway. um, from Zero Hedge and also from Congress, Democrats bring bill to prohibit armed citizen militias in what I'm calling the one of the least American things uh, that you could possibly do. But from them, Democrat lawmakers are advancing legislation intended to prevent privately organized paramilitary and militia group activities within the United States. They saw, Why they can't fight the F-22s? No, they don't. They don't have F-22s, right? They don't have F-35s. What are they going to do about it? Uh, Introduced by Senator Ed Markey and Representative Jamie Raskin on Thursday, the bill dubbed the Preventing Private Paramilitary Activity Act, or uh, (laughs) would prohibit, that was me doing a ritual, by the way, would prohibit privately organized groups from publicly patrolling, drilling, or engaging in harmful or deadly paramilitary techniques interfering with or interrupting government proceedings or interfering with the exercise of someone else's constitutional rights. Like their own? Yeah, I get So, <laughs> I mean, you, you're not supposed to interfere with the exercise of anyone's constitution. Like, isn't that kind of a rule for all of us? Unless you're protesting climate change? Yeah. You know? Or Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Or Gaza, Israel thing. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. But everyone else, we all have those rules. We're not supposed to interfere with the exercise of someone else's constitutional rights. Huh, that's weird. The bill makes exceptions. Good, good. There's going to be exceptions for members of the National Guard and other military reserve components, state guard forces, and members of other federal or state organized groups to train in and apply paramilitary law enforcement and security service activities so the government can still do it. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. Well, just like Thomas Jefferson intended. Yeah. The bill also allowed for the organization of Groups formed solely to conduct military reenactments. Oh, that's good. We can still see the Civil War reenactment down yeah. there. In Cairo. And, and, well, no, I was going to go to the one in Murfreesboro. Oh, okay. Yeah, I no. can't remember what it's called. I'm sure somewhere in Old Franklin, they got some kind of Civil War thing that yeah. goes on too. Mm-hmm. Can you reenact the Revolutionary War where uh, citizen militias took over a government? <laughs> I don't know if you'd be able to do that. Yeah. I'm not sure. So you can still do reenactments. Um, bona fide veterans organizations with no intent to engage in the aforementioned prohibited activities and students in government or state authorized educational institutions that teach military science. ROTC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can still do that as long as it's a state authorized institution. Uh, this is in response 
to the capital breach, the mm -hmm. insurrection. Yeah. This is one of the insurrection clauses. Where these paramilitary groups organize together mm. to use flagpoles and fire extinguishers. That's one of the specific <laughs> things that you're not going to be able to do is grab random items that are around you and uh, accomplish nothing. <laughs> you know, it's a strictly prohibited yeah. with this bill. Can no longer teach people to defecate on <laughs> Congress people's desks. Someone in the group said, I want to see a reenactment of Jan 6. <laughs> Can we start doing Jan 6 reenactments? That is an idea that right there. A great idea. You build like a mock capital and every year have people flock there and you do reenactments of it. That is an idea. That's so great. It's never, it's not too soon. That's, you man. know, we need people to remember, never forget. We got to do that. Never forget Jan 6. <laughs> okay. Uh, we yeah, should they, start a group called Never Forget Jan 6. <laughs> where we reenact it yeah. for fun. <laughs> Patrolling neighborhoods, impeding law enforcement. People show and, up with guns and stuff. That's too much. No. Yeah. You know that. <laughs> impeding law enforcement and storming the U.S. Capitol, private military, paramilitary groups like the Oath Keepers, the Three Percenters, and the Proud Boys are using political violence to intimidate our people and threaten democratic government and the rule of law. Um, because that, when I think about uh, people using political violence in that time period, I most think of the, uh, the flagpoles and the fire extinguishers on Jan 6, not like six months before that yeah. in 2020 at all. <laughs> um, our legislation makes the obvious but essential clarification that these domestic extremist paramilitary operations are in no way protected by our constitution. And I'll tell you why I think this is dumb. And uh, it was just a quote here from Thomas Jefferson, and it's not like this is written into the Constitution or anything like that. But the idea that it was in any way intended that the U.S. government would be able to outlaw citizens from creating their own militias is one of the most ridiculous ideas you could think of in, if you're trying to think of something that's constitutional or originalist, or something that the Founding Fathers intended. It's completely antithetical it's, to America. It's the exact opposite. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this quote right here says, What country can preserve its liberties if its rulers are not warned from time to time that their people preserve the spirit of resistance? Let them take arms. I like that one. So okay. was this, was Jan 6 a warning? No. That's the problem with Jan 6, is that people mad over a, an election of another tyrant, Yeah, you know? Like we said several times, it'd be one thing if it was about taxation or the Fed or illegal spying or uh, wars overseas or whatever. Uh, that'd be one thing. But no, well, over, over an election. Yeah, Bailey's of, right. That guy owns slaves. Oh, yeah. You can't listen to the thing he so, says. Obviously, his words are coming from... A place of evil. I throw the whole thing out. Yeah. All right. So that's dumb bleep number two. Number three, Charlie. All right. New Jersey's biggest city grants voting rights to minors. That's not people who are digging for coal. Yeah. It's young people. Okay. Interesting uh, uh, question. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what the, what the rule should be on this, honestly. Minors in New Jersey's biggest city now have the right to vote in certain elections. The Newark City Council voted on Wednesday to grant voting rights to 16- and 17-year-olds for school board elections. The measure, sponsored by Council President LaMonica McIver, passed unanimously. She declared that minors had the right to representation. 
not freshmen and sophomores, though, just juniors (laughs) and seniors. We support expanding our democracy and giving our young people the right to vote. Um, The measure declared that 16 and 17-year-olds deserve the right to vote because they take on certain responsibilities like driving, paying taxes and working, and civic activities such as political campaign contributions, volunteering in campaigns and at the polls, and attending political rallies. Except for Jan 6. Costco says can't own guns, can't drink, can't smoke. Half the time can't even drive. Yeah. You know? You now have to get like 1,200 hours. <laughs> I don't know what the rules are. Can't have a passenger. Not here in Tennessee. You just walk in and they just hand you a card. That's all it is. Following prolonged and divided public remarks over the measure, Councilman Lawrence Crump remarked that minors today were capable of voting because they're much more mature, much more advanced than he and his peers were in their youth. That, uh, yeah, the kids <laughs> eating Tide Pods are much more mature. I think that was our generation. <laughs> no, it was the next one, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, the, the kids who are jarring up farts. I just don't know. And huffing them. I, <laughs> I think maybe it's because we're getting... I think every generation thinks that the next generation that sucks... So I, I do want to clarify, like just a disclaimer that I think that that's a common thing. But were we, I, I'm sure we were. were. Were we less mature than if you were to walk through a high school these days? Like, were we less mature? 16 and 17 year olds just aren't mature. Yeah, I think that's, that's yeah. fairly true. They're just, they're just not. Except for back in the day when you had to be or you'd die, probably, yeah. you know. Like you had to mature to survive, mm-hmm. but not these days. Well, here's an idea. We'll just let kids vote. <laughs> um, anything else in here? Like uh, a mat. Like, do you think kids? Your camera went away again. Do you think kids know what's best for them? No. Exactly. No, they don't. So they're going to vote in school board members that are going to cater to the kids ever desires or they're not going to get their vote. Now I'm sure there's more people. Well, I don't know. I don't know how that could it sway the vote. The problem is that eventually this is probably going to filter up to the state itself. If you look at this uh, quote here from the, the governor of New Jersey. Oh yeah. yeah. Governor Phil Murphy applauded the measure in his state of the state address. Murphy asked that the state legislature pass similar legislation this session to grant minors voting rights for all local school board elections. Now it's just, we're just talking school board elections, which is the, actually, I mean, one of the dumber ideas I can think of is deciding to let the kids go into the school, vote on the people that decide the rules for the school. I know. That's that is okay. even dumber That's than I'm even saying. the idea of these yeah. kids voting yeah. in national elections Starting off by letting the kids decide that they're going to vote in whoever's going to do whatever the heck they want at the school, like they know what's best that's for what them I was school. Just like they don't want to go to school. Yeah, Let's just I, vote to not have school. That's what I was that's just what saying. That's what democracy said. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Four day school weeks, ban homework, no more tests. Exactly. Yep. Do you think, okay. This is where it's going to start. Yeah, that's the thing. You and start you start small like yeah. this and people get used to the idea. 
that these kids are going and voting. Like and eventually, they, like, well, why not? They've city, been voting city for, council. Yeah, they've been voting for school board for yeah. the last four years. Why not city council? These people why can not the county commissioner vote? or yeah. whatever. Yep. And, and then eventually, now let me ask you, Charlie. What you're paying taxes? You're paying all the other government fees. Sh shouldn't you have representation? The answer, Charlie, is no, you shouldn't have taxes. That's, <laughs> that is true. That's the answer. This is tough, though, I will say. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it's a good idea, but who am I? I is, think, is any of it a good idea? <laughs> I think, see, I go back and forth on this because I do think that people should have representation, but I also think that we should, I think we should limit voting to people um, to where they can't vote themselves and to, to prosperity or to get their own <clears throat> rules passed that benefit them. You specifically, could, I, I was going to say property owners, um, net tap, net taxpayers. If you, uh, if you paid in more than you received, then you're still eligible to vote. Yeah. How about that? But the problem is we don't agree with taxes. So that can't really be a principled way to do it. I think the way that we should, and this is something the kids could get behind, I guarantee you. You don't... Nate guarantees it. I guarantee Listen this up. right here. Here's the, here's the solution. You don't pay taxes until you're 25. But you also can't vote until you're 25. Okay, so it's no taxation without representation. You don't pay any taxes until you're 25 and you can't vote until you're 25. I think most kids would accept that trade-off. I know I would have, for sure. And then, when it comes time to be 25, guess what you're not going to like? Taxes. Taxes. Because now you've been working for some years now without paying any taxes off of your salary. And all of a sudden, you're going to see the stuff coming out, and you're going to be a natural-born tax hater <laughs> at that point. That's the solution right there. You got hate tax in your heart. Mm -hmm. Tax hate in your heart. Tax hate. The Tax Haters Club. They're mm -hmm. going to be honorary members of that. Okay, that's number three. How about number four? <clears throat> Don't bleep number four. The FAA's diversity push includes focus on hiring people with severe intellectual and psychiatric disabilities. Mm. Okay, so that's good for a government agency to do this. Now, before we just harp on this a whole bunch, I do want to say I don't think that means that they're going to put your local handicapped person up at the desk to be a flight controller or something like that. Okay. Everyone knows who I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't think they're yeah. going to be up there directing where the planes are going or anything yeah. like that. Are you sure? Okay. But I do question if this is the best use of my tax dollars. I do want to know that, yeah. you know, I would just like things to be done in the most efficient manner. Mm -hmm. um, but, and I, I mean, I mean, no disrespect. And okay. Look, I'm, I don't. I have a kid with autism. <laughs> All right. And so far, I don't think his best use for his life is going to be working for the FAA. Just based hey, on the until, conversations that I have with him. Not until he's 16, he's it paying taxes. Doesn't mean that he's less intelligent or anything like that. It's just, you know, working in the Federal Aviation Administration, I just don't think is wise. It being a government agency might be the perfect fit for him. Hmm. Who knows? You know? That's what we should do. That's what we should do with these agencies, I think. The FAA is actively recruiting workers who suffer severe intellectual disabilities. I don't know what they really mean by that, but 
there's a large array of different disabilities you could have. Psychiatric problems, that's good. That's really good. That's what, you, that's what you want to look for. And other mental and physical conditions under a diversity and inclusion hiring initiative spelled out on the agency's website. It says, quote, Targeted disabilities are those disabilities that the federal government, as a matter of policy, has identified for special emphasis in recruitment and hiring. The FAA's website says they include hearing, vision, missing extremities, partial paralysis, complete paralysis, epilepsy, severe intellectual disability, psychiatric disability, and dwarfism. That's what you need. Someone <clears throat> in flight control having a seizure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, American Airlines four nine four nine or two zero. You're clear to <laughs> turns. Reading out, I mean, it clear sounds to like what? A, turns out it would have been a perfect place for Stephen Hawking to work. Yeah, sounds like mm -hmm. uh, the initiative is part of the FAA's diversity and inclusion hiring plan, which claims diversity and intellectual to is integral to achieving the FAA's mission of ensuring safe and efficient travel across our nation and beyond. I listen. I think everyone should be able to get a job. Okay, I, I do. And I do think that businesses, you know, there's a lot of businesses that will make it a point to try and hire people that maybe would have a hard time getting hired someone else. And I think that that's a good thing. I think that's a noble thing. I just don't know if the FAA is the place, and I especially don't know if it's a place where you want to force the DEI stuff. Your camera keeps going out. If you want to force the DEI stuff on the people, especially when you're using people's tax dollars to pay them, uh, and uh, happens to be like a pretty important thing, like, you know, regulating all the air traffic and all that stuff mm -hmm. around the U.S. Not saying that we don't so, think a private company could do it better. They could. They could do yeah. it better. But, and look, I'm not trying to make fun of people with disabilities. My child obviously has one. I just think you have to be logical about this stuff. Like, and of course there could be jobs in the FAA that, you know, people with disabilities, they, there could be a place for them. Um, <clears throat> that that wouldn't hinder the operations, but I could just imagine someone with schizophrenia and the air traffic control. <laughs> they're in there. Now is, is ATC is, is air traffic control separate from the FAA? I don't know. There's something on the wing. Yeah. <laughs> they could just tell like three planes they're cleared for takeoff at the same time. Yeah. And then like under their breath, be like, good luck. <laughs> I can't wait to watch this. I don't think that's the kind of stuff that's you know? going to be happening. But in general, I think all the DEI stuff is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so uh, how about number five? We should just hire people based on whether or not they can provide value. The, and I don't care if you're disabled, what color you are, what your height is. It, none of that matters. Mm -hmm. Can you do the best job that we need that needs to get done? I think it is a noble thing for businesses to hire people that would have a hard time getting hired elsewhere in the workforce. I do. Uh, and if businesses are able to do that, and uh, I I think that maybe, I don't want to say they should, but I think it's a great thing if they can. I think it's a great service to society, and they should make ads about it, and they should use it to make themselves look better, and they can sell more stuff. And that's what I would do if they were them. When it comes to an agency uh, that's using money that's been stolen from other people to run all their stuff, in that case, no, I don't think that they should be doing that. I think everything should be done in the absolute most efficient manner possible. So uh, next thing, Dumbleat number five, Oh, here Charlie. we go. In Ohio, this is, I just love government. Oh, yeah, they're so good at helping. An Ohio pastor was arraigned in court 
after being slapped with 18 zoning law violation charges relating to keeping his church open around the clock to get this making meth. Probably making meth, I bet. It was kept was it open mil- around the clock. Was it the he militia? Paramilitary group. Mm-hmm, probably paramilitary group. Yeah. It was a, a whorehouse. Okay. Turned his church into a you know, prostitution ring. They were running the thieving ring where they ran around and they 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 stole stuff from people's houses and even, you know, taking away houses from people, mm-hmm. you know, destroying the community. Yeah. It was actually a, a church casino, an illegal okay. gambling operation. I got you. No. No, it turns out this church was open around the clock to uh, to house the homeless. Weird. Yeah. I thought Jesus said specifically not to help those kind of people. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, okay, here you go. Uh, he was arraigned in the uh, municipal court on Thursday after being, uh, we already read that, Chris Avell, who pastors the non-denominational Dad's Place in Bryan, which is a town of around 8,400 people about 50 miles southwest of Toledo, Pleaded not guilty to the charges, his attorney told the Christian Post. Yesterday, the city of Bryan, Ohio, arraigned Pastor Chris on criminal charges for having his church open 24-7. Um, it looks like Jeremy Dyes from First Liberty Institute is representing this. He pled not guilty as any pastor should who is simply doing what churches throughout history have done. Care for those who walk through their doors no matter the time of day. The court filing states that because dad's place is zoned as central business, the building is prohibited from allowing people to eat, wash clothes, or sleep on the property. Thank the, God for government. Mm, the release signed by Rusky cited legal precedent and state law supporting that religious organizations cannot create homeless shelters within their property that violate mm. local zoning codes. Rusky's statement also alleged that there were numerous state fire code violations that the tenant and property owner were made aware of. It's much better for these people to be out in the cold. Did they tell the people that were not sleeping out in the cold because they were able to sleep inside this church, that there were numerous state fire code violations in there? Did they warn them? Because I bet if they would have known that, they would have all just gone gone right outside (laughs) immediately. A reasonable amount of time was given for both the tenant and property owner to fix the issues due to the safety of all involved. Due to the safety of all involved, <laughs> the city moved forward with filing charges. Due Good to safety. Lord. Good Lord. Get yeah. back on the street. <laughs> According to First Liberty Institute, Avell decided last March to keep his church open all the time because the neighboring local homeless shelter was often full, forcing some of the town's homeless to stay outside. He claimed his church has since been able to help at least 100 people who are struggling with homelessness. Yes. Huh. The director of operations at the Sanctuary of Williams County Homeless Shelter supports what Avell's church is doing, according to the First Liberty Institute. The city, churches, and community in general should work together. We need to work together to help people in need. There is nowhere else for these people in Williams County to go. We have to turn away around 600 people every year. (sighs) As usual in this scenario, I just want to know how these people sleep at night. Like, let's say it is against the zoning codes, which it probably is. Could you imagine being the person to file the charges? Yeah, who who did that? And why is her name Karen? That's what I want to <laughs> yeah. know. And who's actually, who felt good about this? And knowing that these homeless people, that the homeless shelter was overwhelmed, wasn't any more space, and that they were sleeping here. It's Ohio, which means it's cold. 
okay? And this is where they're sleeping. And someone took it upon themselves to file a statute of limitations in court seven, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some people who don't get it, they'd be like, what the heck is he talking yeah. about when he says that? Um, I just find it absolutely disgusting that someone would actually do this and then be able to sleep at night and think that they were helping in the yeah. process. Sleep in their warm bed. Yeah, they sleep in their, their house. Bed. Yeah. You think they took some homeless people home with them? No. Because they're they were zoned residential and they could have someone come sleep there. Oh, I just love <clears> the government. This is the government helping mm-hmm. you. Well, uh, uh, due to safety. I saw this uh, posted by Nina Turner and she said, What are we doing here? And I said, Well, this is the government preventing people from helping. That way we have to rely on the government to do it and they can keep taking our money. Same as usual. Yeah. Same thing we're always doing. These are the same people you want to run healthcare. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) With these people in charge of your healthcare. Oh, man. Okay. How about the the porch pirates for number six here? Canadian police warned that posting videos of alleged package thieves could be a violation of their privacy. Hmm. The people that are stealing from you. So you don't want to post out asking if anyone can help you find these people that clearly stole something off of your porch (laughs) because it's on video. All right. From your porch camera. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Police in the Canadian province of Quebec warned citizens against posting surveillance footage of their packages being stolen because it could violate the private life of the alleged thieves. You know, thieves come on the porch, mama just beat them off with a broom. That's what I do too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Montreal West is known for its large porches, but around the holidays, those porches are a big target for thieves or porch pirates. Uh, CTV said it's something we deal with. On a daily basis, uh, said the Montreal West Council responsible for public security. Uh, you have you have people that are following the vehicles, and then they steal the stuff. You guys know how it happens. However, these the province's local police force, the French words, warn local citizens against sharing footage of alleged porch thieves. You cannot post the images yourself because you have to remember in Canada we have a presumption of innocence. You're posting a video of someone committing a crime. Clearly. And posting that picture could be a violation of private life. If you get some proof that somebody might have stolen something, call the police. Give that proof to the police. We'll do an investigation. and We'll bring that person to justice in a, in a few years if we got time to do it. Especially if they uh, are a, a conservative small government individual. They'll definitely do it then. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll just straight up lock, lock up your bank account mm-hmm. at that point. That's what they do for those people. Uh, people who post security footage of their packages being stolen could face potential defamation charges. Can you imagine if you Which, po- someone they, steals all your stuff, you post it, and then in that time span, you're the person who goes to jail. <laughs> they found the criminal in this case. Yeah, it was you for posting uh, it. But who's who's going to bring the defamation charges? The the thief? I guess. Is the thief going to bring about defamation charges? You post a video of someone committing a crime against you on your property. And then that person gets to take you to court for defamation for posting a video that led to them being caught stealing from you. This is insane. And you get in trouble. (laughs) That's great. That's awesome. Canada's doing wonderful things. Gotta love Canada. What's going on in Florida here? How about this headline from the Hill for number seven? All right. Florida. Loves. (laughs) Are you doing it or am I doing it? (laughs) I thought we were going to read one word each. (laughs) Florida loves individual rights. Unless you want the COVID vaccine. Okay, so get this. Florida, they love individual rights unless you want to get a COVID vaccine. In which case, Charlie, I'm led to believe 
you can't get a COVID vaccine in Florida. Yeah, probably that's, not. That's what they've done. They've outlawed that thing. Can't say gay either. Can't say gay. You can't buy those books. Nope. You know, they got all the books banned over there in Florida. So... Uh, major debate during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic focused on mandates and whether to require people to get vaccinated or not. Advocates of mandates argued that vaccines represented the best tool for protecting people against a virus that has now killed more than a million Americans, while those against them argued for personal freedom and the ability of people to make their own choices. Medical and public health officials have largely lined up on one side arguing that the vaccines are extremely safe and highly effective at preventing serious illness. Yet there has been a notable and possi- a possibly solitary exception. That exception, Florida, Jer- <laughs> Florida Surgeon General and Secretary of Health, Dr. Joseph Latipo, who has criticized COVID-19 mRNA vaccines since the start of his appointment. Recently, to the ire of the medical community and the uh, den- denigration of public health professionals, He has asked Floridians to avoid COVID-19 mRNA vaccines altogether, citing bizarre, debunked claims that the vaccines contain DNA fragments that alter our genes. Now, what if... Not the genes you're wearing, like... No, not not, those. Not your pantalones. No, no, you're you're talking about the ones inside your body, not the ones outside your body. Genetic makeup, Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, just so you know, Charlie, when you ask... As a public health professional, when you ask people to avoid the vaccines, that's the same thing as not allowing people to get the vaccines, yeah. apparently. But when you mandate that people get the vaccines, that's individual rights. That's individual <laughs> That's liberty. <laughs> that's liberty. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Lopato's <laughs> war on individual rights regarding COVID-19 vaccines started about two years ago. So this crazy doctor announced that healthy children should not receive COVID-19 vaccines, ignoring data showing that more than half of pediatric patients with severe infections did not have underlying medical problems. He announced that healthy children should not receive. He did not announce that healthy children cannot, could not receive the vaccine. He stated his Florida health official opinion that they should not receive the vaccine, which he's probably correct about. Yeah. Uh, they go on to say that more children have died from COVID than RSV or flu. And that's by counting deaths with COVID. I did go to the chart that they posted right there. Mm. Um, so that is uh, yep. with COVID. So they anyway, in this article, they go on to say that they initially did not pre-order the vaccines like everyone else did, uh, but they did turn around and still they ordered the vaccines. They just didn't. They clearly, you can get the vaccine in Florida. That's the bottom line right here. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're not banning you from getting the vaccine. You still have a right to choose to get mm-hmm. the vaccine if you want, even for your kids. Now, one thing, the Florida Department of Health sites, which have historically played an essential role in vaccinating children, did not offer the vaccines for young children. And they say that everyone in Florida doesn't have easy access to a physician or a pharmacy. You just can't find the CVS in Florida. There's hardly any yeah. of them out there. Yeah. You know, unlike all these other states where there's no CVS or Walgreens. Hardly any or, healthcare in Florida. In, no, not yeah. much, not much at all. And it's because of all the young, vibrant individuals that live <laughs> there in Florida that they just don't need health sites they in don't, Florida. They don't need anything there. Florida's most known for its lack of healthcare options. They just don't need it. Yeah. When they're so young. Uh, so here's why stuff like this matters. And at the end of the day, you know, it's Florida. That's fine. Whatever. But this person, I, I responded to this and I said, so am I to assume from your headline that you can't 
get the vaccines in Florida. I was like, where do you get them? At the same place where you get the banned books? You know, is that where you get your vaccines? And this person said, how are you going to get a vaccine that the state doesn't order and isn't available in your state? And so this is the kind of thing that it leads people to believe because they do mention it like, oh, the state didn't pre-order the vaccines before the deadline when they're supposed to pre-order them. They order them like a month later, still had vaccines for everyone. Mm -hmm. And in fact, they're on par with the rest of the nation when it comes to people getting vaccines. Uh, so I said, are you actually under the impression that the vaccine's not available in Florida? Honest question. Uh, because the two doses are over 70% in Florida, three or more is low, but that's also the case around most of the country. Uh, and then one dose, which used to be called vaccinated, is up over 80% in Florida, which I'm shocked because I thought that you couldn't get the vaccine in Florida. <laughs> well, for those 20%. Yeah. Must be a big vaccine black market in there, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's impressive. Yeah, they're going across the, the ocean to they Cuba. Got on, they got on Amazon. There yeah. you go. That's where you get it. No, they're there. You actually see droves of people floating mm -hmm. on doors mm -hmm. and makeshift wood rafts to get to Cuba to get the vaccine, get the vaccine. and then come back to they Florida. Float back over. Yeah. I got you. They bring books back with them. Probably. Black yeah. market books. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sure do. And a few cigars. And they say gay when they're on the raft, you know, but they just get it out of their system before <laughs> they get, before they get back to Florida since you can't say it there. Yeah. We actually have footage of that. We just can't show it. All right. The uh, University of Wisconsin Law School is requiring the law students to attend the DEI training. And uh, that's, that's probably no new thing. The DEI training is just straight up out of white fragility, though. And um, I looked it up. It's a real thing. Saw some stuff about it. We got some good screenshots of things that you just don't... You don't want to be a racist like the kind of people that would say, I'm colorblind. You don't want to do that mm -hmm. kind of stuff, no. okay? Uh, so if you say something like, people are just people, I don't see color, we're all just human, or I don't think of you as Chinese, or we all bleed red when we're cut, or character, not color, is what counts with me. Like Martin Luther King Jr. Those so. are really bad things. <laughs> okay, just just behind, uh, just, be, just behind MLK Day. You know, <laughs> you don't want to say stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, here's what they say. Here's the reality check. And the consequence, statements like these assume that people of color are just like you. <laughs> White. <laughs> no, it assumes that we're all just like everyone. Yeah. It's the color ha has nothing is, to do with being human. This is literally the ideology that lead that led to the racism that people were fighting against. That, that you do not get rid of any of the remaining racism in society without having a colorblind society in the sense that you don't care what color people are and you see people as human beings. Yeah. Like that's where you actually get to Martin Luther King's vision of the world. But there, this is a bad thing. Uh, let's see. They, they you, let's see, are just like you white, that they have the same dreams, standards, problems, and peeves that you do. Colorblindness negates the cultural values, norms, expectations, and life experiences of people of color. Even if an individual white person could ignore a person's color, society does not, which society is made up of individuals. So I don't know what that means. By saying we are not different, that you don't see color, you're also saying you don't see your whiteness. <laughs> God bless America. This denies the people of color's experience of racism and your experience of privilege. <laughs> I'm colorblind can also be a defense when afraid to discuss racism. 
especially if one assumes all conversation about race or color is racist. Speaking of another person's color or culture is not necessarily racist or offensive. As my friend Rudy says, I don't mind what that you notice that I'm black. Color consciousness does not equal racism. Color, you have to have color consciousness to be a racist. <laughs> and if you're colorblind, you can't be racist. This is so ridiculous. It's the exact opposite of what needs to happen. Yeah. Go ahead, Charlie. All right, number two. The rugged individual, the level playing field, and the bootstrap theory. America is, so saying things like, America is a land of opportunity built by rugged individuals where anyone with grit can succeed if they just pull up hard enough on their bootstraps. Mm. Here's the reality check and the consequence. These are three of the crown jewels of U.S. social propaganda. They have allowed generation after generation to say, if you succeed, you did it. But if you fail or if you're poor, that's your fault. Mm. Belief in this propaganda is founded on a total denial of the impact of either oppression or privilege on any person's chance for success. Here's the thing. For the most part, if you have not succeeded, it's your fault. Do the decisions that you made. Literally. You can trace it back to decisions that yep. you made in your life most of the time. Now, have people been held back due to racism or, or sexism or anything like that? Or, or does cancer unfairly strike people mm -hmm. in life? Is that ha Yes. Of course. Those, those exceptions do happen. But for the most part, if you have failed, it's your fault. Literally. Which is true for white people, but not true for black people, just so you know. It's true for, <laughs> true for all people. No. I don't see color. That's racist. Okay. All right, what's number three? Uh, the next one, reverse racism. You could say uh, if you said stuff like people of color are just as racist as white people or affirmative action had a role years ago, but today it's just reverse racism. Now it's discriminated against, discriminated against white men. It literally, you're just saying factual statements at that yeah. time. The civil rights movement, when it began, was appropriate, valuable, needed, but it's gone to the extreme. The playing field, if you critique this, I mean, it's racist, of course. The playing field is now level. Now the civil rights movement, I don't think it's level. I think it's tilted in the other direction. Now. Yeah. Uh, if you say black pride, black power is dangerous, literally something that Martin Luther King Jr. said. He said, black supremacy is just as dangerous as white supremacy. Black pride, black power is dangerous. They just want power over white people. Include here any reference to pride and empowerment of any people of color. Um, so you have to define racism. Here's a reality check. You got to define racism with the formula. Racism equals racial prejudice plus systemic institutional power. So you got to have the prejudice and then you got to have the institutional power. Mm. So... When does it actually flip that? Because it seems like all the institutions are aligned, are aligned um, in favor of not white people. Just say not white people, anyone else other than white people. Like all of the institutions are pushing this. So at what time do you accept that you do have institutional power and that the playing field is not level, that it's actually tilted in the other direction? That sounds like power to me. I don't know. To say people of color can be racist denies the power imbalance inherent in racism. Certainly people of color can be in our prejudice against white people. That was a part of their societal conditioning. By the way, if you're 
if if like a, a homeless person, white guy, calls a black person the M word or something like that, or doesn't want to sleep in a tent next to a black person, that's not racist because that guy didn't have any power. Mm, yeah. Okay. That's right. So that's completely yeah. fine. That's also just, that was a part of their societal conditioning. Mm, yeah. Yeah. A person of color can act on prejudice to insult or hurt a white person, but there is a difference between being hurt and being oppressed because all white people are oppressors. Yeah. We have spent our time oppressing people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even us who went to a school that if, only had white people in it, somehow as we were growing up, we were oppressing black people and didn't even know it. <laughs> no clue. And if someone, if, you know, if a black person is prejudiced against a white person, it can hurt their feelings. Yeah, but, but they can't oppress them can't because do anything. the oppressee can't be yeah. the oppressor. It's not like that black person would be favored to get a job over you over on the basis that they're black and you're white. That would never happen. Or like that person would be more likely to get a uh, FAFSA loan or student aid or something because they're black and you're white. That would never happen. Mm-hmm. So no, that person has no any kind of power or any kind of oppression over you. That's ridiculous. <sighs> this form of denial is based on the false notion that the playing field is now level. Well, they well they qualified here because they say people of color as a social group do not have the societal institutional power to oppress white people as a group. Thereby, because this is all groupthink, mm-hmm. thereby proving the fact that no person of color can actually oppress any 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 white person. You just can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyhow, do you want to go into the last one here? Wait, go back one more. Okay. Hang on. Um, they say an individual person of color abusing a white person while clearly wrong is acting out a personal racial prejudice, not racism <laughs> because racism has to be racial but prejudice wait, plus systemic I mean, institutional isn't power. Isn't the fact that you're abusing someone, the very definition of power an oppression over a person? No. Are you? T- you're telling me because it's personal that you can literally individually oppress a person because they're white, and that's not racism because society as a whole is not aligned that way. Mm. Okay. Yep. Just making sure. Just double checking. Uh, the other thing is uh, white on white and righteously so. It, basically, if you're a white person and you critique other white people, essentially trying to set aside yourself from all those racist white people, you know, you're not like them. What's wrong with those people? Um, that's not right. You know, reality check here. You distance yourself from the other white people. You see only unapologetic bigots, card-carrying white supremacists and white people outside your own circles, real racists. You put other white people down, trash their work or behavior, otherwise dismiss them. You righteously consider yourself white people... Some, white people who have evolved beyond our racist conditioning, this is another level of denial. There are no exceptional white people. So even you may have, here's the thing. If you do everything right, yeah, it still doesn't matter because you're white. You may have attended many anti-racism workshops. You may not be shouting racist epithets or actively discriminated, discriminated against people of color, but you still experience privilege based on your white skin color. You benefit from the system of oppression and advantage no matter what your intentions are. This distancing serves only to divide you from potential allies and limit your own learning. Yeah. This is all based on white fragility by mm-hmm. that, that disgusting... What's her name? 
Jesus. I can't even say it. Robin D'Angelo. The, Robin D'Angelo. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's all based on white fragility. That no matter what, no matter what, if you're white, you are inherently racist. And there's nothing that you can do about it. There's no way to atone for your sins that you have, have allegedly committed. <clears throat> and if you attempt to atone for your sins, then that's just your privilege showing. Yeah. You have to forever live your life as a nothingness. <laughs> and even if you but do, not, though, it's not racist. <laughs> but even if you do that, it won't be enough. I, I just okay. Um, let's go. We're gonna skip the number ten because it's gonna take some time. And number nine's a funny one, but um, number ten is a critique of Miele's speech at the WTF conference. Um, so David Ike or Eek or Ike, I don't know. I don't know who the guy is, but he's got a lot of followers. He's an author, apparently. I don't know. Some people are supposed to know who this guy is. He's got a 1.4 million views on this tweet right here. So it's going pretty well so far. So we'll just end with this one. He said, I heard that Miele's speech at the WEF champions freedom. So I listened. It doesn't. It seeks to move power and control from governments to corporations. If you listen carefully, and that's what's happening anyway. What he doesn't say is that governments and corporations are owned by the same global cult. So either way, the same cabal is in control. This obsession with economic growth for its own sake is classic free-for-all childlike economics in which the strongest, most wealthy and powerful prevail without the most basic checks and balances. Freedom to be exploited by billionaires without redress is not freedom. Corporate monopolies with unchecked power is not freedom. He talks about capitalism, but what he is describing in truth is cartelism. It's barely one-dimensional. It's the playground. You challenge white with black and black with white while the cult sits laughing in the shades of gray controlling both. Mele is a child in a grown-up's playground appearing to challenge power while handing it over to the already super powerful. Which do you want? The free, rigged market tyranny run riot or state-dictated communist tyranny. Neither thing. Some of the dull don't want freedom and justice for all, not the few. So, <clears throat> I just wanted to say here that this guy has a um, com- completely ignorant understanding of anything that Javier Mille said in that speech. And by the way, if you haven't listened to it already, um, Elon Musk tweeted out the really cool AI version of the tweet of the uh, speech where they replaced his voice with a someone who had a closer accent and sounded like his voice, like it's an AI version of him talking, and even the the mouth matches the words, which is just really scary that we can do that kind of thing, but it's also really cool at the same time. So it makes it a really cool speech. But the idea that you're going to, uh, say, take away state ownership of the, of the companies in Argentina and give it back to the private market is somehow just going to create corporate monopolies. The idea that you're going to go argue for free market capitalism and for decreased regulations is just going to be handing over all the power to this economic cabal is a misunderstanding of where all the power comes from. Corporations don't have a monopoly on violence over you. That's what the government has. And so in an actual free market, you would actually have enough competition that people would compete and the best people would win. Now, what ends up happening is we decide that we want these corporations to be regulated by the state because we're scared or whatever. 
And so we give government control over those corporations. And then, of course, the corporations will buy off the people who are controlling the corporations. That's what happens. And that's how this big cabal that he's talking about comes up. And so I don't like just deciding that having a free market means we're going to have a bunch of monopolies and that you're going to have this massive cabal of unchecked billionaires exploiting everyone with no redress and saying that that's not freedom. I know Charlie didn't hear a single word we said the whole time, but um, that's Dumbleat number 10. Mm. So I saved the best one for last. Thanks for, thanks for joining. Well, you know, <laughs> duty calls. Yeah. I had some duty. Um, anyway, you should go watch that speech. The really cool uh, AI version of it makes it much easier to listen it to. It was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a great speech. Yeah. And um, the dude on the world stage defined libertarianism. I thought he did pretty he did. well, actually. And he redefined, he tried to redefine socialism also. Uh, because uh, what he essentially said was, well, since we don't have state ownership or uh, state ownership of the corporations or of the means of production, that means that it's not socialism. He says that in today's day and age, uh, you don't have to have that. The state controls the money. They regulate everything the companies do. What he describes as fascism and what people mainly want, if they still want there to be private ownership of corporations, but complete government control, is they want democratic fascism. Not, not even democratic socialism, because even Bernie Sanders isn't calling for the ownership of these companies to be handed over to the people. He wants the state to just control everything they do. He wants democratic fascism. I had someone argue that Bernie Sanders, because we posted some of the speech on our TikTok, someone's trying to argue that Bernie Sanders wants to be like, you know, Nova Scotia or the Scandinavian countries, mm -hmm. you know? No. But it's like, <laughs> they may have more social safety nets, let's say, but their business practices are more capitalistic than the United States of America. Yeah. For I, the most part. They, you would not... There's a few nuances, but here's the thing. Bernie Sanders, if you look at his policies, wants nothing to... It's literally nothing like Scandinavian countries. No, he so wants... So he says one thing and is advocates for policies that do another. He wants to get Scandinavian outcomes from Venezuelan policies. Amen. That, that's what he wants to get. Mm. And there is not, Bernie Sanders would not support any of the policies that they have that lead to the things. He would say, well, yeah, I support the safety net, the social safety net. Well, that's not a policy. That's an outcome of their tax policies that they have in those countries. And they have really low business taxes. I mean, not as low as I'd like them to be. They have really high taxes on anyone. If you, if you make $80,000 a year, I think it's in Denmark or Sweden, one of those two, if you make 80 grand a year, you're in the top tax bracket. There's no millionaire bracket, no billionaire bracket. There's not even a $200,000 air bracket. Yeah. <laughs> if you make 80 grand a year, US money, you're in the top tax bracket there. And that's because that's how they pay for their safety net. And they don't punish people for being more well off. They don't have a wealth tax. They don't have a minimum wage. And this union set whatever the, the unions pretty much run everything in the, in the businesses, you know, mm -hmm. so they set wages, but the government doesn't have one. So, and they're way too white. We can't listen to a single thing that they say anyway. Based on yeah. the last <clears throat> unbelief. Yeah. Anyway, just a ridiculous critique of Miele's speech uh, that just projected whatever his feelings were about the current situation we have right now is what Miele is asking for uh, and apparently not listening to the things he was saying uh, whatsoever. So let's get some votes in right now. We'll go back through them for you right quick. Number one, WTF at Davos. <laughs> Number two, the Dems want to outlaw militias. This one's hard because like 
There's a lot of there's a lot, a lot of, dumb. of dumb stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Number three, uh, the uh, New Jersey miners voting for their school board and eventually for the governor. Yeah. Uh, number four, the FAA's diversity push. Number five, the Ohio pastor who got arrested for helping homeless people. God, that one's so dumb. Number six, Canadian privacy law saying that you could get in trouble for trying to find the person that stole from you. Also super dumb. Number seven, the Florida individual rights. Number eight, the University of Wisconsin's DEI training. Super dumb. Uh, number nine, we didn't even talk about that one. Number 10, the melee critique. Real dumb. Look what's running away with it right now. Get it's your gonna, votes in. It's going to be the Canadian privacy. Look at that. Privacy already, for thieves. You're not even accepting mail-in ballots this time. No, I'm closing the voting right now. All right. Privacy for thieves in Canada. I showed up as number 11, of course, but you didn't even see me for half the episode. Camera. Now it's been working for... Camera decides not to work. So it seems like one of those weekends where I'm going to end up ordering a camera. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, if you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend or a family member. Um, not enough of you are sharing. I can see. No, they got to do more. Yeah, you got to do more. Mm-hmm. Do more sharing. If we fail, it is your fault. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The podcasting audience. And thus, if the, if the world fails, if Liberty fails, it's you who didn't do enough. Because we put out 1,160 episodes so far. What have you done? Have you shared 1,160 We're episodes yet? for Liberty okay. so hard. <laughs> uh, share it around leave us a rating and review go to godhatesfeds.com goodmorningliberty.us uh, join gml.com lots of links go check them out in the show notes do all that we'll be back again on Monday we hope and until then I hope you have we'll a good day a good weekend and a good morning liberty I think of ask not what this podcast can do for you ask what you can do for this podcast <laughs>